Welcome and thanks for listening. This is your Nebraska Judicial Branch. Greetings and thank you again for joining us. I am your host, Gene Cotter. Earlier today, State Court Administrator Corey Steele read a proclamation by the Chief Justice naming or designating the week of July 17th through the 23rd as probation week in Nebraska. It is my distinct pleasure today to welcome a pair of guests. We have District 3J, that's the juvenile office in Lancaster County, specialized officer Latimer Perry, and from District 5's Columbus office, we have SAS officer, which is a specialized substance abuse supervision program, Mark Wagner joining us. Gentlemen, thank you for coming in. Hey, thanks, Gene. Thanks, Gene. There's multiple reasons that we have you here today. First off, you both serve within the court system, within the probation offices across the state. One of you is an adult officer, one of you is a juvenile officer, and we're going to get here in a little bit. If you would, Latimer, first off, tell us a little bit about your story growing up. Okay. um, I'm originally from Omaha, Nebraska, North Omaha. I grew up uh, in a single parent home. Um, Also, my mother is uh, deaf. She's hard of hearing. It was just me and my sister. I was placed on probation about 12 years old, or maybe even before that, 11 or 12. Had many of the services other kids are getting, such as electronic monitor. I've been to group homes and also uh, uh, moved on to staying at Boys Town for uh, four and a half years. Could you talk a little bit, lad, about your experience at Boys Town? Because I think a lot of people view that as, I don't know, more of a punishment than an opportunity. Quite frankly, I think a lot of people view probation more as a punishment than as an opportunity. So if you would just discuss your experience from that angle. Oh, absolutely. Starting out, uh, I was sent to, first off, I was sent to a group home called Harvest Haven initially. Um, I stayed there until they had an opening at Boys Town. Ended up going to Boys Town. During that time, of course, it was uh, difficult um, as a young kid having to be sent away out of your home not knowing what was next. But throughout time, I ended up getting adjusted to it and getting used to the program. And uh, now that I'm an adult, I realize how much that program actually did save my life. Boys Town is nationally recognized. There's kids there from all over the country. There's kids from all over the state. What was your experience like being an Omaha kid at Boys Town? Oh, it's a different feelings. Sometimes, you know, you thought in the back of your head, I can, you know, run away from this place right now and, and, and be home in maybe half hour or something. But obviously that wasn't the route that most kids wanted, well, that I wanted to take. I wanted to actually, you know, stay in the program. I knew going back home wasn't the best um, situation for me after a while. And I knew um, where I was at that I was uh, being, I was cared about and, and I knew that there was opportunities and I knew that I was comfortable. So what kept you there? Those things you just talked about, being being cared for and, and having those things? Yeah, that on top of, um, I had a, a situation um, in my family where it was really tough to where um, my mom ended up uh, not having the place that she, we didn't, she didn't live in that home anymore. Um, she primarily just focused on, I would say, um, her boyfriend. And I think that was more of a, a, a bigger thing for her than it was, um, than I was to her. So just being in that type of environment with other kids who were kind of in similar positions as I was, um, I knew some kids that were were there from just being in the neighborhood in Omaha. I knew that I was kind of better off at the boys' town than I would be at home during that time in my life. 
Okay, I'm going to go to Mark here quick, but before I get to Mark, I'm just going to ask you to think about what in that experience led you to decide you wanted to become a probation officer or did something else happen? So as I get to Mark and take him through his story, I'm just going to let you think about that. Oh, absolutely. All right, so Mark, you kind of have a similar story to tell too, right? Yeah. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your history growing up? Well, it's, I grew up in Norfolk, Nebraska, which is a lot smaller than Omaha. Uh, I had two, a two-parent home. I was uh, pretty, pretty well off until I was probably about five or six years old, and then we went bankrupt. We owned a business, and that bankruptcy caused alcoholism, and my father to turn it into a home that had a lot of domestic violence. And you eventually ended up in Colorado, is that right? Yes, I went to... Uh, Went to college at Denver Institute Technology for a semester, but I was actually extradited back to Nebraska because I was on probation at the time, and one of my friends had gotten in trouble for something that he did nine months earlier. So I was brought back to Nebraska. Did you, uh, do you mind going into a little bit about that, like uh, what, you were, what you were on probation for when you headed off to college? Uh, I started out on pro- juvenile probation, actually juvenile diversion when I was 14 years old for a one-time shoplifting adventure. Uh, me and some friends went into the mall to see how many watches we could take while we were talking to the cashier and you know, had a really good relationship with the diversion officer. He really knew how to reach kids. Completed that when I was uh, 16. I started drinking at a young age, started you know, doing drugs at a young age, and uh, got my first ticket for possession of marijuana when I was 16. And that, you know, that time it was a fine. But when I was when I was 18, I had a friend who was not a very good influence. I'm not blaming my what I did on him, but we uh, everybody in our circle got one to two years prison, except for me, and I got two years probation for burglary and breaking into a school in summer and stealing a couple fans because our air conditioner didn't work. Um, and so that, that put me on probation at age 18 for a felony, and I wanted to get out of Nebraska, so I went to college in Colorado. With both of your stories, kind of the guiding principles of probation, and that is, you know, meeting people where they are. You know, Mark, you talked about breaking into school to get some fans because your air conditioners didn't work. And Lat, you talked about, you know, just some things that were going on in your life. And those are things, those are life experiences that probably exemplify what we as probation officers do. Lad, if you would maybe just talk a little bit more about that and about how your lived experiences come with you into being a probation officer. You know, during my time in Boys Town, like I said, I was I was there for four and a half years, uh, Gene, and um, uh, I met many different people, a lot of juveniles from different, all over the world, with all different types of situations that they had to come to Boys Town um, to kind of fix. I think after I graduated I, um, and left Boys Town that I realized that people weren't doing the same thing as most kids in Boys Town. Like, as soon as I got out of Boys Town, I went back and, you know, went back home and met back up with some of the old friends that I was hanging out with and and noticed that, you know, they're doing things that I would get in some real trouble for at Boys Town, such as, you know, I remember that first summer coming out, people were, you know, pouring Bacardi into their, you know, slushies that they were getting at the Quick Trip and driving around. And I'm thinking to myself, like, wow, this, this is how we're going to start this? Like, this, we're going to come right out and be in a car with, you know, with friends who are drinking and driving and stuff. And I thought, you know, I really need to separate myself from this or or all this time at Boys Town and everything that I'm 
uh, wanting for myself is going to go out the window real quick. So I kind of separated myself from those uh, friends and, and decided, you know, we got to stick to the plan, and that's going to college, focusing on what we want to do in the future. I think after going through college and then kind of looking back and looking back at my old neighborhood and looking at some of the juveniles and you're thinking, man, they, they could really use Boys Town, like, you know, and, and these things, and they really need help because their parents are um, almost just as confused as them. And I just thought, you know, what if I was that guy to to come in and help? And I thought, you know, who helped me um, the majority of my uh, life going through Boys Town and while I was on probation? And that was Jennifer Finnegan, who's um, the deputy chief out in 4A right now. And she, just I just remember how the support she was giving me. She worked with me and my sister because my sister was also on probation. And she was in deeper trouble than I was. But I just remember um, the resiliency that she worked with us, because I'm sure it was tough. My mom was deaf. She had to use interpreters to speak with uh, Jennifer. Just a, just a, not your ordinary case, you know, and and I just remember how, how much grit and how much support and how much and how stern she was with me to ensure that I was doing the right thing. And I'll never forget those things because she was an impact on my life. And when I was having troubles at Boys Town, I would jump on the phone, Jennifer, you know, I, I, I want to go home and I hate this place and da da da. And she'd always try to encourage me to just stick it through. Things will get better, I promise. And it really did. Two more questions for you as follow ups for that. Mm-hmm. First off, maybe a point and two questions. Uh, the 14 year old perspective when maybe you left home to go to Boys Town and then the perspective that you had when you went back home were probably two incredibly different perspectives, it sounds like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like go- going to Boys Town, that family oriented lifestyle that you were seeing. I've never seen anything like it. Seeing other kids with other positions, I mean, other situations, never seen anything like it. But it humbled me in a way to know that I wasn't the only kid out there struggling and and that needed that help. Okay, so so then I get to the questions. The Mm -hmm. questions are, and it's probably two questions rolled up into one question. You talked about the influence that Jennifer Finnegan, who has been in the probation system for a long time, various roles, she was one of the original specialized substance abuse supervision officers like like Mark is, as was I. So the influence that she had on you, but... Talk a little bit about her influence and how that's shaped you into the probation officer you are today, but perhaps more importantly, talk about the experiences that you had kind of growing up in the system has had on you and the type of officer that you are today and the perspective and focus that you have in what you do. Um, What it did for me was it it helped guide me that, you know, all situations are going to be different, but you still have to kind of remain professional and what you're doing and always remember that there is hope for these kids, even though sometimes you get a case and you're probably like, oh, man, I don't know what I can do for this kid. But it just shows that you have to keep going and keep pushing juveniles or families, parents, that there is going to be a bright light at the end of the tunnel. I think that kind of with her, what she showed me back in the day helped me to, to keep pushing kids and keep working with families. I mean, because if, if my case is – if she could be a influential person like she was in my life, then I feel like I could turn that around and try to help other kids to, to see that same successor or potential success in their future. And, and it becomes one of those things where the time isn't always right, but when the time becomes right, then it's right. Right. Uh, speaking of which, Mark, that's kind of what your story is, correct? You kind of 
fought some fought some battles, fought some demon for a while, and all of a sudden there was kind of a, a light switch that clicked, and you've kind of done done multiple things, not only as a probation officer but substance use counselor and whatever else, correct? Yes, picking up when I came back from Colorado, I I was a straight-A student in college, but I was smoking a lot of weed. Well, my probation officer at the time uh, that transferred me was Catherine Liebers, who's now the chief in Norfolk, and that, she had a lot of control over me. I didn't get to go back to college, and I was I was either going to listen to her and make some changes, or, or I was going to go to prison. That was back in the Trey alum, Nail alum, jail alum days of probation. But I did respect her, and I knew she cared about me. I had to go through treatment at Behavioral Health Specialist IOP, and my counselor there, um, she, she passed uh, this last year, Connie Barnes. You know, she also was very tough, but very, you know, caring, and I knew she had the best intentions for me. It helped change the way that I kind of, at that point, I knew people cared about me. I knew there was a different way, but I didn't take it until I was tired of being sick and tired. At age 35, I, I, I got clean and sober, um, which wasn't easy, but I had supports. I had a lot of friends that were in a 12-step fellowship. I reconnected. I started going to jail meetings to carry the message and kind of doing some public relations stuff with probation. And that's when I reconnected with Catherine. Went to college, got my bachelor's in uh, counseling, um, which was the first time ever I'd ever walked with a, you know, with a cap and gown. I dropped out of high school and I dropped out of college twice. And then I, when I had two years clean, I went to Connie Barnes, my old counselor, and said, hey, I want a job working in your treatment center. And I worked for that company for eight years. And uh, when I came to probation, my num number one reference was my old probation officer because I had built relationships with them. And, and what I learned through recovery and through those two ladies about how to help people just kind of gave me a mission to, you know, whether I did it for eight years in the treatment field or, or six years in the probation field, which I don't feel is very different, just giving people skills and helping them reach better outcomes kind of became a mission in life, and it's really what I enjoy doing you know like I shared at the proclamation when I see people turn their lives around and know that I had a small piece in that I can sleep well at night Mark was there any one situation incident experience that kind of clicked that light for you I'm I'm somebody who you know I don't even know how I ended up working in probation and here I am getting ready to start year 33 it's absolutely a calling and when you get here our administrator Deb Minardi talks about that all the time you got to be all in to do this job and guess what lad I'm coming to you with the exact same question here shortly is there was is there a moment in time when you knew this is what I'm called to do Probably after I had been clean for a year. I got clean because I was just starting to deteriorate mentally, physically, and emotionally. And after I had about a year in recovery, I, I started to think about what I wanted to do with my life, and that's when I went into treatment. You know, and I, I did that, and I was a community support provider for, you know, two years in the middle of working for that company, and I would take my clients to see their probation officer at their office visits. And I see the relationship they had with their probation officer. And at times, it made it look like an easy job. So I still you know, remind the officers it made it look easier than it is every once in a while because they're still officers. And when I was a counselor, I was locked in the building. And when I was a community support provider, I was out in the community. And if there was a way that I could do what I do and still have the freedom to be out in the community 
in the homes with the people helping them where they're at, that well, that's when I made a switch to probation. Lat, same question for you. Was there a, was there a moment in time or a certain thing that happened that kind of started you down to the path that you to where you find yourself today? Uh, as far as being a probation officer, yeah. Um, yes, I, I would say when I graduated from from college, I went down to Tecumseh, Nebraska, to work at the correctional institute down there. I, I worked there for a couple years, and then what I noticed is is when I was working there, I was like, look how many people that were actually here that grew up in my neighborhood that was actually in Boys Town and other group homes with me. I said, look at this. And I started thinking to myself, like, me working here, how am I helping my community? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of patrolling. You know, it's kind of too late for these guys right here. But how, how can I go back and kind of stop this this transition to, to kids from my neighborhood or in, or in urban neighborhoods to go to prison? So I said, you know, being face-to-face -face and being one-on-one -on -one with them, the only way I could do that is being a probation officer or being some mentor. Obviously, I chose to be a probation officer. And another thing that kind of helped me do that was uh, there was a, another probation officer by the name of Forrest Roper who uh, was a adult probation officer. He was actually my football coach when I was a, a little kid, and I always knew that he was a probation officer. I was like, well, he's, what's a probation officer, you know? Um, he kind of explained it to us what it was that he kind of supervised adults and and that he was helping them get back on the right track. So, but anyways, I ran into him driving up the street and said, you know, I'm I'm, ori I'm in orientation at a correct at the correctional facility, and I was thinking about you know possibly being a probation officer after. He's like, well, you're going the right route. Uh, go ahead and uh, do the corrections. It'll be a good experience for you, and then try to you know shoot to be a probation officer. So that's what led me to it. it was you know working at corrections and just seeing all these kids that I ran into or crossed paths with that were all there all because of poor decision making um, and now that when I meet with kids and stuff all their stories all of my experiences and all that kind of play into uh, some of the case management that I do when I'm talking to these um, juveniles to kind of let them know it's either you know this road or this road I mean uh, this road, I can give 10 examples of people who took that road and what happened to them, and I can give you 10 examples if you take this road of what happened to them. And I think that helps with some of the kids that I uh, do have conversations with to let them know that, you know, um, breaking the law and, and, and committing crimes isn't all what it seems to be. Being in gangs isn't all what it's up to be. Yeah, it might be the cool thing to do when you're like a, a younger kid because you don't understand, but the older you get, the more serious it gets. And I try to break that down to kids um, and let them know through examples and life experiences, um, honestly, Gene. So, Latimer, one more question for you, and then I'm going to finish with you, Mark, with the exact same question once again. And that is, we've been spending a lot of time recently talking about kind of the vision of probation and a, and a newer vision mm. of probation, whereby we want to inspire hope. We want to empower individuals, and we want to strengthen communities. And I think I personally am looking across the table at a couple guys who exemplify and typify that. If you could tell, if you could say one thing, and I don't care how many words it is, about inspiring hope, empowering individuals, and strengthening communities, Latimer, what would you say? To keep working. I mean, everybody, um, that small little light inside of them to where that's going to be the go-getter or the green light for those uh, juveniles or individuals to, to want more for themselves. Um, when working with people, it might seem like they're, you're in a super dark room, but if you could just find that light, put that key in and turn it, then you can pretty much change anybody's lives. Um, and 
I think just continuing and don't ever give up and always push kids to, um, or adults to to positive thoughts and, you know, and visions to help them want to chase that. When you were saying that, it reminded me of a meme I've been seeing recently where it's like every time you think you're think you've been buried rethink it and wonder if you've been planted instead Mm -hmm. Uh, just something that really stuck with me so thank you for that latimer mark same question inspiring hope empowering individuals and strengthening communities if you could speak to that how would you speak to that Uh, kind of even goes back to when i was 41 and in 2011 i applied for a pardon and was granted a pardon for my felony which is kind of why i'm able to work for probation um i have through recovery, met a lot of people that have felonies and are changing their lives. And I've you know, talked them through the process on how to get a pardon. You know, and I, when I see people living a way that they don't really want to live, but they're stuck in it, you know, just letting them know that there's another way. And you, sometimes you got to show them. You got to connect them with the right services. Um, so, sometimes you deal with a lot of some resistance, and you got to roll with that resistance and just kind of meet them where they're at and. You know, sometimes it's gradual steps. Sometimes they make a big step um, towards the positive. Just never quit trying. Absolutely. A lot of of good words there. Again, two prime examples of what I consider to be the power of probation. We have many, many, many people both working for us and hopefully to work for us in the future that have similar stories to tell. I know I do. Uh, But in honor of probation week, 2022 juvenile specialized officer Latimer Perry and adult SAS officer Mark Wagner thank you so much for joining us and thanks for sharing your story you are truly an example of the power of probation hey thanks for having us Gene thanks Gene it's been a pleasure this has been another episode of your Nebraska judicial branch please remember to subscribe like and review us on your favorite podcast platform